You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on either a Tuesday or today a Wednesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham, used to be independent financial advisor, but now is with Sterling Private Wealth as a wealth manager. Congratulations on your appointment, Joanne. And what's the first thing that you're going to say to your new colleagues when you give your presentation about the current state of the markets? Because it seems to me that between today and last week, going backwards, Nothing really has changed. The earnings season is upon us. The only thing that's changed is that the market has embraced whatever it's embracing, and I can't understand what that is, and gone up, the US market, that is. Well, I think the market continues to go up because interest rates continue to stay so low. And maybe we're all trying to make this far too complicated. You know, if you think about it, really, if, if assets are a discounted cash flow argument, well, when interest rates so low, asset prices stay high. That's what's happening here. The rest of it possibly is noise, unless you believe inflation's coming around the corner. So if you don't think inflation's coming, if you think central banks will keep liquidity primed, then you, you might as well stay along the markets. I mean, no one can predict what will happen next week or even a two months' time. Markets are, you know, by their nature, very volatile. But right now, buying assets with a liquidity, liquid environment like this, where else do you put your money? This, this Tina argument remains very, very compelling. I, I can't say the same for South Africa. I think that's a much harder market to predict right now because you get some of these uh, domestic stocks almost trading like penny stocks these days. So you get situations where share prices are up 10 15% a day and then they fall 10% a day. So that's a lot scarier in SA. Yes. But, but I think offshore, you know, with the central banks pri- pumping liquidity into the system, yeah, it's much harder to call. And I think, though, in the very short term, just to answer your question, I think markets are quite relaxed at the moment, inverted commas, because it seems to be that they think Biden's going to win. And they seem to, but it's not so much Biden winning. They think it's going to be an uncontested win. Because I think the w- big worry before was that Trump would throw his toys and then, then not have, we wouldn't have a winner. I think that's what the market was worrying about like two or three weeks ago. Yes. They seem less worried about that now. But, you know, this is markets, Lindsay. Maybe in a week's time, they'll worry again about it because yeah. maybe the, pol- the polls will change and, and then the sentiment will change again. It's, you know, in the short term, it's very, very difficult to call anything. Yes, yeah, just about just, just over two and a half weeks to go till the November the 3rd event and all sorts of things can happen. I mean, who would ever have thought that we would see Donald Trance dancing to YMCA by the village people? I mean, that is the sort of world we're living in. I mean, it's, it's, I hate the word surreal, but I'm going to have to use it. It was a surreal moment and things can happen between now and then. And that's a gay anthem, for goodness sake. And the Republicans' LGBT, oh, I don't think you put Q on the end anymore, their LGBT record is appalling. And you've got him singing, dancing on stage in Orlando, Florida to a gay anthem. Nothing, nothing will surprise me. What is your position at Sterling Private Wealth? Is it more South African uh, leaning or is it more uh, international or a combination of the two? Because that uh, will determine the next question. Uh, our clients are predominantly South African, but obviously when it comes to investing their money, the whole universe is open to us. You know, we, we no longer just look at local stocks. Nobody does anymore. Mm. So most of the Africans today, if they're, if they're worried about the future, are going to have quite a lot of the exposure to offshore. Uh, and studying private wealth has been done a very good job for their clients over the last couple of years by having quite a large exposure to offshore funds. Because, you know, if you just relied on SA fund managers that made you money in the last five years, you've come horribly unstuck. Uh, and their client portfolios have done very well because of offshore exposure. 
And speaking of offshore exposure, the Apple event yesterday was extraordinary. I mean, the, the stock at one stage was down 3 or 4% afterwards because of a, a connectivity issue with one particularly important attendee of the conference uh, virtually. But everyone that says, well, this is the end of tech, the valuations are too high, it's overstretched, really have been caught out. And I understand from um, a previous interviewee in the last couple of days that there's a bearish ETF, a NASDAQ bear ETF, that has a record open interest of several million contracts, which is unheard of. I think it was something like eight, eight to nine million contracts. And that is why we're seeing this, this spike up because people are getting squeezed out. It's a classic short squeeze. But even if you discount the short-term technical issues, tech just keeps on going, Joe, and you can't ignore it. Well, I think what people are all forgetting in this tech argument is where's growth coming from? So let's go and look what's happening to Europe now. The number of COVID cases is increasing quite exponentially around Europe. I saw something today, I think, uh, parts of Netherlands, which are, well, Holland, where you live sometimes, yes. is saying that they're going to have a two to three week shutdown or four week shutdown. The four bars weeks. can't be open after eight, four weeks. Thank you. Yeah, they close after tomorrow at 10 o'clock and for four weeks you can't go to a bar or a restaurant anymore. And, and they've, they've, they've sort of preempted what's happened in the UK. In other words, the UK let it go a little bit and it spiked up. And the Netherlands doesn't want that because they're very conservative. But yes, it's, it's Europe wide. It is happening in Europe. I, I can't speak for what's happening in the States at the moment because it's been in flux. But but the fact is parts of Europe and various various parts of Europe are having these rolling shutdowns or lockdowns. And I find that quite worrying because even though I think, you know, it's not the solution, that doesn't matter what I think is what governments do. And my worry is that governments keep curbing growth. So back to this is the reason I bring this up is because I think we're in a, still in a scarce growth world where growth is not plentiful. So what do you do then? You pay up for growth. And that's exactly what we're doing by buying tech shares. So the, if you, funny enough, and I think I've said this to you before, if you buy gold and you buy tech, you're buying essentially the same kind of scarce argument. You're buying a world where liquidity remains plentiful, where interest rates stay low for longer, and where growth is not plentiful. If that's the case, both tech and gold do well in the same environment because the dollar remains a weak currency, liquidity remains plentiful, and, and growth is scarce. So, so that's what we're talking about with tech. People say, what must I buy? I don't want to buy an airline stock. I don't want to buy a restaurant. I don't want to buy an entertainment company. I mean, you see some of these entertainment companies are going to probably go bankrupt. You know, what happens when you shut down cities? People can't shop. They can't get out. They can't do things. They can't spend their money. And I don't know if you noticed yesterday, I think BlackRock came out with an announcement that they're seeing a lot of people putting money into the markets because they're saving more money than usual. And they're saving more money than usual because they're not spending and they're not spending because they're not going out. So I think growth remains a, a big issue still. I mean, I'd love to be wrong on it, and hopefully one day growth will return. I mean, I did see the IMF has upgraded some forecasts for growth rates around the world. But interestingly enough, back to South Africa, they've downgraded South Africa's growth forecasts. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but Cyril's supposed to announce a big package tomorrow about his growth opportunities. At the same time, though, Tito Mbweni has said he's going to delay his medium-term budget framework policy statement. And there, there are huge rumors going around in South Africa at the moment where where the growth's coming from, where the taxes are coming from. So, yes, I think growth globally remains an issue. So I think that's why, long story short, sorry, Lindsay, that's okay. tech, continues, tech continues to do well because yeah. people are paying up for growth. I mean, look at retail sales in South Africa for the month of August, year on year down 4.2%, uh, which is not um, not surprising, but uh, still negative. I was walking along um, a street called Haverstock Hill yesterday in London, and I saw Gourmet Burger Kitchen. And there's a few, most of the places are open, obviously with restrictions, social distancing and so forth. Gourmet Burger Kitchen was all, there was no sign of life. And I noticed today that 
uh, the cautionary from famous brands has been withdrawn and they, uh, the gourmet burger kitchen for which they paid top dollar or top pound in this case uh, has gone into administration. South African companies are not covering themselves in glory. There are some nuggets out there, Cartrack, for example. But I, I, I take your point that you, in, in your new position, will be looking more overseas for diversification and growth rather than locally. There are a few out there, and most of those are ones that do their business outside of South Africa. But on the other hand, South Africa, not to be ignored, but certainly is not, strangely, as it would have been 20 years ago, the cornerstone of anyone's portfolio. But I think the world has evolved. I, I think the reality is I don't think taking your money offshore is necessarily because you don't believe in South Africa. I think taking money offshore has also got to do with the fact that there are perhaps better growth opportunities. So hypothetically, if you want to invest in biotech, it's easier to do that offshore. You know, if you want to invest in electronic vehicles, it's easier to do offshore. I'm just giving you two examples where yes. you can't access that. Yes, we have technology companies in South Africa, but it's very China-centric. Maybe I don't want to have all my money in a Chinese-centric type tech company. So you've also got to think about the different types of tech companies out there. There are also other countries in the world, other emerging markets, as I think I've said to you before, which have proper growth rates. So a lot of the Asian economies are doing much better. A lot of the Chinese data coming out now says that economy is really recovering. So if you're looking for like a, a growth in the consumer, you can look to other emerging markets. It also doesn't have to be South Africa. And I think I've said this quite a few times now. I think SA bonds remains a very compelling investment, not very long-term bonds, because I think there is a huge concern there about the credit risk of, of the SA sovereign. But in the, in the medium term, you're getting some very decent yields. And don't forget, interest rates now in South Africa have fallen a lot. So if you're looking for some sort of yield pickup, you can still find the SA bond market. We're one of the few bond markets in the world that can still give you yield. Because if you put your money into offshore bonds, you've got absolutely no yield at all. So I'm not completely anti-South Africa. I'm just saying be careful where you invest, because if you're investing for growth, I think there are potentially better growth opportunities offshore. Yes, indeed. And you do like that bond story, don't you? You like the African bond story, you like the South African bond story, as long as you can manage the currency and as long as the currency is relatively stable, which is what it is at the moment, it's orbiting 16.50 against the US dollar, then I think you're fine. If there's a blowout, then you've got problems because it's expensive to hedge that exposure. No, completely. But remember, if you buy SA Domestic Inc., you're even more trouble. If the bond market blows out because the rand blows out, you absolutely don't want to be in SA banks. You don't want to be in SA retailers. You don't want, if there's any construction stocks left, you, you don't want to be in those companies. So all I'm saying is you kind of hedge yourself. You have a bit of offshore dollar exposure through global equities, and then you have some SA bonds. I, I think sort of a barbell approach or a hedged approach makes sense. I certainly wouldn't have all my money in South Africa. There's no ways I would do that. Joan, on that note, we'll leave it. Thank you very much for your time, as always. That's Joan Bainham, who is a wealth manager at Sterling Private Wealth. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.